Last week, all we could do was speculate who is going to be the next Astros GM. Will Billy Wagner get into the Hall of Fame in 2023? Well, we've got all those answers, and we'll discuss it on this edition of the Talking Strohs podcast. This is Billy Wagner. You are listening to Talking Strohs. This is J.D. Davis. You are listening to Talking Strohs. This is Alex Wagner, you're listening to Talking Stroh. This is Jake Marisnik, and you're listening to Talking Stroh. All the guys that have been here for the past couple of years are excited to be here. It's all excitement as a player. I mean, you want to be able to play on, on a team of this caliber. You are listening to Talking Stroh with Eric and Brandon. Talk, talk, talk. That's what we do all off-season long on the Talking Stroh podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talk Strohs. You can find the show at Talking Strohs. Brandon, where can they find you at? My name is Brandon Del Castillo. I'm the baseball lawyer. You can find me on Twitter at B-Ball Lawyer. You're listening to Talking Strohs with Eric and Brandon. If you love the Strohs, you gotta listen. And we are part of the Gallery Sports Network. Uh, make sure you check them out. They do a great job of instant analysis Whoever's going to Super Bowl, we're going to have an instant article. Whoever the new Astros GM is, we'll have an article about that. And whoever is, um, if Billy Wagner is going to Hall of Fame or not, we'll have Richard Justice or somebody out there just giving you their thoughts about what's going on. So go check out all the great things going on at Gallery Sports. So let's go ahead and jump into the big thing. I know we kind of want to probably talk about what happened with, um, I guess, with, the uh, Billy Wagner, but the big news of the week was the GM. I know there's a lot of talk about, well, um, is Jeff Agwell going to be the GM or is there, um, is there going to be maybe Brad Osmus? That was a name that kind of came out of nowhere last week. And I know that it was the Houston sports awards. And I don't know if you caught this Brandon, but uh, Jim Crane was interviewed. I believe this was what Tuesday night. Yes. Uh, and uh, he said that we have no timetable on when we're going to hire a GM and that we've done a, a rigorous process and we've looked at all the candidates and we've hired. We've looked at the inner the some some people from inside. I'm guessing they meant like uh, Bill Ferkus and uh, Charles Cook and maybe um, Andrew Ball, some of the people that are inside organization. They've looked at the people outside organizations and people will talk about in a little bit, but they've taken their time. And I think he felt last time he rushed into hiring James Click, but he took his time this time. And so he, there's no timetable as of uh, Wednesday night, but then, or I think it was Wednesday night. And then uh, the hiring happened on Thursday night, but uh, it was just crazy how it just happened like that. Like Wednesday night, there was no uh, timetable. Then all of a sudden Thursday afternoon it all broke and every everything kind of happened and that was just kind of a cool experience to just see that we actually have a GM. it's a it's a little bit ironic that all the moves offseason moves have already been made you've already basically signed all your players you've done all your international uh signings you've uh basically offered all the arbitration uh, things and i mean i i think you still have to avoid arbitration or um a deal with the uh, the hearings and everything with uh, two players, but still, uh, you basically did everything, and now you hired GM. So, what are your thoughts on Mister Dana Brown, your new GM for the Houston Astros? 
Hey, man, I think it's a great fit. I uh, personally have been saying this the whole time. Um, and it sounds like, you know, the Astros wanted to get back to uh, player development and uh, really stress that. And who better than Dana Brown uh, with all his years of experience uh, scouting and as a scouting director for uh, many teams, most recently the Atlanta Braves. Uh, people talk about, you know, the big drafts uh, he had in Atlanta, which have already, uh, you know, three years after that draft are putting a rookie of the year, Michael Harris, runner up to the rookie of the year, Spencer Strider, uh, and Vaughn Grissom, Shea Langoliers, uh, all in the um, in the majors already. You know, right. and that's three three years after they were drafted. You know, a lot of people don't know that he was uh, – he was with Toronto when they uh, were drafting um, Kevin Biggio. So um, this guy's been around forever, early 90s, uh, scouting. He knows what he's doing. He started off, uh, you know, with, with Pittsburgh, had a um, got a got a ring with Pitts, the Pirates. That's how far back uh, when the Pirates were good in the early 90s. So, um Again, every you know we've talked about how he was a teammate with Craig Biggio, has some relationships here. But again, I think it goes back to what the Astros wanted in their new GM. Player development was a big key, and I think he'll go a long ways uh, to uh, stressing that while at the same time taking advantage of the uh, analytics department that the Astros have uh, built up over the years as well. Um, now, you know, he, you say that he... Uh, that what what's there left to do? You know, he missed everything on the uh, on the offseason. Well, we, I think he's still got a, a roster spot decision left. Um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if maybe Rylan Brandon or Bly uh, Madris stick around. You know, there are there are there are some room uh, to make his mark on this team going into this year. Um, but but for the most part, um, the forty man roster is set. And, uh, and, you know, going into spring training, it looks like, uh, there's just one battle, um, left, uh, for a, for a bench spot there, unless you're just planning on giving it to Jake Myers, like we've talked about, but, um, you know, Yiner Diaz, if he has a good spring and, uh, with the bat, he could, could be a, a great bench piece coming off the bat, uh, coming off the bench, uh, facing tough lefties. Um, so, you know, the other guy we've talked about that could do that is, uh, Mr. Guriel come bringing him back. He's still out there. So I think there's still lots of, uh, decisions. And like you said, um, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but I guess jumping right into our next topic is the, are the extensions. So what's he going to do is because he, one thing he did mention specifically was player retention. Right. And, and so, um, is he like just like they did in Atlanta? Are they going to go out and uh, talk to uh, Kyle Tucker again and Javier and Framber? And I think that's I think those are you know one uh, A, B, and C on his uh, on his agenda, right? Well, let's go ahead and hear what Dana Brown had to say himself. It's tough to say that there's something missing when you win a World Series. At the end of the day, I just want to come in and be part of it and do what I do special, which is acquire players. Get them to sign. Get them signed long term. Develop players. C- communicate well with the staff, and build a winning tradition where people can grow and be themselves. The key thing he said there is get them signed long term. So he's not here to be the Kansas City Royals, where players come, uh, just write out their time and then go else, go elsewhere, be traded away. He wants to get these people signed long term. And Kyle Tucker, I think, will be number one for him. He's going to come in and say, hey, Kyle, what's, what is it going to take to keep you in a Houston Astro uniform 
for the next six to seven years. And uh, they're going to try to work it out. And I think that there's been some miscommunication or um, I, I don't think, I don't think it's the fact that Jim Crane or James Click or anybody doesn't understand the value that Kyle Tucker has. I think they do. I just think that you have somebody like Dana Brown who understands the, uh, the proper evaluation of a player and he can come in and say, this is what Kyle Tucker's worth. You're not going to be able to sign him for this amount of money. You're going to have to go ahead and go a little bit above your comfort zone. You're going to have to maybe give him more than just the five-year, four-year deal you're typically you're comfortable giving, Jim. And you're going to have to go a little bit out of your comfort zone. And maybe you need somebody that's not just a yes, sir. You need somebody to just kind of to just uh, think out of the box. And maybe that is Dana Brown. And he's did he's done that with the Braves. And like um, Michael Harris, he was a rookie, but he signed an extension already. That that typically doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, I know you've saw, seen that with the Astros, with John Singleton. How did that work out for him? The Astros? I mean, yeah, not great, but uh, that was based on minor league numbers. I know. Kyle Tucker, you know, you got a pretty good uh, – track record here in the majors right um, he's already an all-star player performing in uh in the world series and um you know i think because it is uh it, it is dana brown coming over for the atlanta Braves. something to look at is maybe austin riley's contract right, right. so austin riley about the same he's an all-star third baseman you're, you're comparing third baseman to right fielder but but pretty much the same age same range of player would you agree with that yeah. Um, Austin Riley signed 10 years, $212 million extension. Now, uh, so you're looking to lock up Kyle Tucker until he's 35 years old, um, you know, through his age 35. Uh, is that something Kyle Tucker wants I, I for $200 million? You know, you, you're probably looking at maybe a little bit more than, than Austin Riley, maybe 220 I somewhere in that Tucker range. Tucker offers a little bit more speed than Riley does. I think we haven't even seen the best Kyle Tucker, and, and especially you're talking, when and, the shift goes away. Yeah, and you're coming off a gold glove as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you might be looking at 20, uh, you know, 220 million, 225 million dollar range. But what people need to realize is that, uh, that, that, that takes that AAV. And so when you're paying someone like Kyle Tucker's performing at a top 10 uh, all-star player level in, in, you know, now, uh, but much less, you know, in 10, five years that uh, instead of paying him, you know, his AAV being 30, 35 million, which in the contract, he, he may be getting 30 million a year. Right. Um, but because you sign him now while he's arbitration eligible, you know, he, his first couple of years are, you know, 7 million, 10 million, 15 mm -hmm. million. And then, and so the AAV for the whole length of that stays at 22.5 or 22 million. Um, and that really helps because that's what goes against the, uh, uh, the luxury tax. That's what you, that's, that's what they look at. That's the number. So if you can keep that number down, that's what they did with Altuve. That's what they did with, uh, with uh, Bregman. Yeah, uh, you know, because Bregman is making thirty million dollars this year, but his AAV number is significantly less. I believe it's uh, twenty-one. Um, I don't have that off the top of my head, but I believe it's uh, significantly less than the thirty he's going to be making. So that's why you do it. I, I think it's a great idea, 
And that's something that, you know, needs to be uh, argued uh, to Jim Crane that uh, there are special talents that you need to keep in this uh, organization, and this is how you need to do it. And I think that what uh, Dana Brown did to sell Jim Crane on the job is he did this. He came up and said, look, this is what you got to do if you want to retain these players. If, if you don't want the Carlos Correa's and the George Springer's to keep on coming and going, you've got to do this. You've got to do the structure. And I, basically, Crane said that he laid out his proposal and we liked it. We liked what he had to say. And so that was part of the reasons why he got the job. And I know that Bob Nightingale, for what it, it's worth, said that Brad Osmus came in second in the finish. So I don't know if that's um, how accurate that is. But um, I think that Dana Brown was the best person for this job. The Astros are near bottom in, in terms of the, the farm system. It's not just about building the Astros' future, but it's about having talent to trade for that player you need uh, when you're uh, during a postseason push. So you've got to have talent for that, and you've got to restock your farm system. And Dana Brown has done that with the Braves, and so maybe he could do that now with the Astros. And uh, you have some picks now. Yeah, granted, if you keep on winning, you're gonna they're gonna be at the back end of the draft, but you still have those first round picks, and you can still continue finding quality picks back there. So Dana Brown has got to get them in, and also. Uh, continue the scouting market. I, I, I've heard that they've already uh, secured or um, the 2024 uh, international pick, um, a, a player I can't, I don't remember his name, but they're already looking at the 2024 international uh, picks. So they got to continue uh, drafting from that too, just to continue what they're good at, which is international uh, market. Yep, uh, you know that the Astros are very good at getting not only getting the uh, players, but but developing them. Um, yeah, which is something that uh, other teams can't do. I mean, look Christian at the Javier. Pirates. They, yeah, Javier, uh, Luis. Look Valdez. at the starting their whole starting rotation. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, I mean, that's something that, like the Pirates. They've been drafting high for years and can't develop their own players. But um, let's stay focused on uh, Dana Brown real quick before we move on. Um, it, it should be noted that uh, this is a significant hire as well for other reasons. Um, only African-American uh, general manager in the league and only the second time ever uh, black GM, black manager. Right. So and, um, very significant. And um, Jim Crane said that he didn't, he, he didn't even take that in consideration. It wasn't about looking at color. He just was trying to get the guy for the best job. And ironically, three out of the the finalists were African-American, but it was, wasn't was because of that reason. It was just because of their qualification. So yeah, I, and think, I think that's why we throw it in at the end, because I think we're, I mean, listen, we, we're talking all about Dana Brown and his accomplishments right. and, and what he's done in baseball. Um, the fact that he uh, is an African-American just happens to be a, a fact and and not why he got that job. Right. And Jim Crane says that Dan Brown is very analytic savvy, a great talent evaluator, season and player player acquisition, development and retention. So a lot of people are wanting the Astros to not necessarily get away from analytics. I, I know we have the money ball movement, but they want to the Astros to kind of go away from the Jeff Luno thinking where let's get away from scouting and uh, the eye test. The eye test would have never resulted in Jose Altuve because uh, he was he's somebody that somebody took risk on. 
But I think that the Astros need a mix of uh, what the analytics say and what the numbers say and just what the makeup says. And that's what Dana Brown did with the Braves. And that's what made him so successful is the Braves said, okay, we want to marry everything together. We don't want to be just one system. We want it all together. And that's what Dana Brown is comfortable with. So I think that's what we're going to see. And uh, with the system. So we got about three minutes left in the show. So we've got to talk about Billy Wagner. Billy Wagner came so close. Um, Scott Rowland is the only one that would be joining Fred McGriff in Cooperstown this year. And it was a close vote. He only got in by 76 point something percent. That was a close vote. And a lot of people are saying, does he even really deserve? I know the numbers say yes, but uh, is he just really, does he deserve to be in a Hall of Fame or the really good fame or something? But Scott Rowland was a great player. But Billy Wagner, he is so close. He is at, what, um, 68.1%. So he just got him. He has to make that big jump. He he jumped from 51% last year to 68.1% this year. And he said that, I'm happy that I got this far and blessed. I have no complaints. Of course, I would love to get in. It's the pinnacle of any professional's career, but nothing's been easy this far. So why should it be? <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, congrats to Billy Wagner for, uh, you know, for making such a big jump. And I, I have a, I have a feeling he's going to sneak in next year. Um, you know, you still have those people that, that uh, don't believe that, uh or don't look at relief pitching the same as the rest of uh, the baseball players. But uh, if you're going to have a closers as a uh, position, Billy Wagner was uh, one of the best of all time. Definitely deserves to be in. Hopefully Jeff Kent gets some recognition with the uh, veterans committee and we'll hopefully see a big jump next year with Carlos Beltran. So um, looking forward to next year's uh, hall of fame results. Uh, Hopefully having some former Astros on that. Um, Adrian Beltre, is he a... Um, he's a lot. He's a, lot. a first-time Hall of Famer yeah, for you? Uh, absolute lot. First ballot? Yeah. Yep. I, I'm just going looking at Billy Wagner real quick. Uh, he's among retired relief pitchers. He's second in terms of ERA, second in ERA plus. He's second and fifth, first in strikeout percentage, first in whip percentage. So this yeah, it's guy... it's ridiculous. One of the all-time greats. Yeah. Just because he played a lot of his career with the Houston Astros doesn't mean he doesn't. Um, Mariano Rivera was great, but if he played for the Astros, would he have really gotten into the Hall of Fame? Would he have taken that much time? So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of bias there, but I think that um, that fact that Mariano Rivera played with the Yankees and Billy Wagner played for the Astros, that had something to do with it. But the fact that... Carlos Beltran got 50-something percent of the votes as um, considering the situation, considering the fact that he was the first player from the 2017 Astros team. Yes, he had a great career. It wasn't just about 2017. but And the fact that his name was the only name that was listed in the actual report. He did get punished by losing the Mets coach uh, managerial job, but he did get a lot of votes. So maybe maybe people are starting to look past that whole thing. And yeah, maybe I think that's a good sign. Maybe Altuve gets in there. We'll see. I think that's a good sign uh, for Altuve, anybody uh, related to the Astros and the 2017 team uh, moving forward with the Hall of Fame voters. 
um, you know, you punish them the first year and then uh, hopefully next year, Beltran, uh, I think Beltran probably has a pretty good shot of making it next year with uh, hopefully with Wagner and Adrian Beltran. All right. To kind of close out the show, Jeff Bagwell on Dana Brown. I'm excited. I think Dana is going to do a great job as he talked about mixing the analytics with the evaluation on your, of your eyes and experience that what that's what Jim wants and what Jim wants Jim gets and Jim uh, took the time and got who he, this is me talking, not Jeff Bagwell, but this is uh, the guy that we wanted. This is the one that Jim Crane wants wanted. And I think that Dana Brown's going to be Astros GM for a long time, I think. So that's all we got for this edition of the Talking Stros podcast, part of the Gallery Sports Network. Make sure you check us out every Sunday. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talk Stros. You can find the show at Talking Stros. And Brandon, where can he find you at? I'm Brandon Del Castillo, the baseball lawyer. You can find me on Twitter at B-Ball Lawyer. You're listening to Talking Stros with Eric and Brandon. If you love the Stros, you gotta listen. And guys, spring training is right around the corner. Can't you just smell the sound of, or just smell the, <laughs> uh, whatever. But can't you just smell the ball coming after, off the bat? It's it's coming. Baseball's coming soon. And we'll talk to you next week. Go Stros. Go Stros.